Okay, we're back. We are back. Bricks and Mortar podcast. Listen, we've not done one of these since May 2018. That's nearly, well, it's a year, maybe is it 18 months ago? Things have been absolutely mental and really I haven't had time to get any of the podcasts back out. So really what I want to do now is reboot the whole thing and get us trying to get episodes out on a weekly basis. I've got a new location, I've got a new business and I've got new premises. I'll talk to you about that. These will all come out in the interviews that we'll be having in the coming weeks and months. But just suffice to say that back in the day, 2016, when I left the law, started up with Begley Brown. I'd always wanted, I think, to run my own business. Uh, I did that when I was doing the legals and certainly when I moved into doing the mortgage side of things, it was pretty much on the cards that I wanted to do it from day one. I got given a great opportunity by Chris Brown at Begley Brown. It got to a stage where I was running the mortgage book, he was doing his pensions and investments and I just ended up saying to him, listen, you've not got much of an interest in doing the mortgages, I'll buy the book off you, the mortgage book off you and that's what we did. So. Uh, we had a bit of a negotiation, some money changed hands, and uh, there we go. I got my FCA regs about 18 months ago, I think now, and uh, started up Bricks and Mortar Mortgages. Uh, got the name, nobody had taken the name as a limited company, and got the website Bricks and Mortar Mortgages, and nobody had taken that as a URL. So there we are. And then about six months after starting the business, an opportunity came up to buy some premises on the corner of Crow Road and Whittingham Drive. If you know the West End, you'll know Crow Road. Crow Road and Balshagri Avenue, I think it is, is the road that goes down to the Clyde Tunnel. So we're just at the top end of Annie's Land Cross. We moved in there. Listen, I'll tell you all about this as the weeks and months go on. There's been a lot of changes on the family side of things. Number one's now left school. Number two's still into our hockey. So again, I'll tell you a little bit more about that as we go on. So when I decided to do the reboot, who was I going to have on? And one man, one name came to the forefront, Nick Ponty. Nick Ponty, when we interviewed him first time round... He wasn't the social media firestorm that he appears to be now with over four and a half thousand Instagram. No, no, no. He didn't know one end of a video camera from the next. But I tell you what, he has bloomed into a bit of a social media starlet. And I guess that if you are involved in any sense with property, you'll know about Nick Ponty and his video. So I decided to get Nick on. We had a great chat, 45 minutes. I kept it to 45 minutes. We talked about PRT, which had come in. We talked about buy to let. Uh, We talked about limited company, buy to let mortgages, and also Airbnb. So listen, have a listen to that, and I'll catch you on the other side. So listen, we're back in the podcast. I've seen to you, we've got Nick 
Ponty here, and uh, Nick came on to the show, oh god, it would be a, a year and a bit ago. Must have been, Jonathan, yeah, it's lovely to be back. Yeah. In your lovely yeah. new fancy office. Well, I tell you what, we're standing here at Crow Road, and uh, we've been here since March, and got lots and lots to tell the listeners as to a bit about my story, which will no doubt come out when we're having a chat this afternoon, and you can tell me about where you're at in your property journey because I think a year ago we were probably talking where you had started really to start thinking about doing it full time and, and really going at it hammer and tongs and, and I know that you started maybe going into a bit of lettings uh, so you can tell us about that um, but for those listeners who haven't maybe listened to the podcast and the interview with yourself Tell us a little bit about your backstory to begin with. Thanks very much, Jonathan. It's a pleasure to be back. Um, <laughs> I'm looking forward to seeing the return of the Bricks and Mortar podcast because yeah, I yeah. was a listener of it. Good, good. Um, so, yeah, I mean, a little bit about my background. Uh, basically, uh, I'm a photographer originally. Uh, I worked 13 years in newspapers, worked for the Glasgow Herald, Evening Times, as a press photographer. Um, on the side, I uh, invested in some buy-to-let properties, um, that got to a point where uh, between myself and my family we had a small portfolio and it started taking up a bit more of my time. Uh, I left the paper uh, through a voluntary redundancy and it, it means that it enabled me to get a bit more time to sort of build a bit more momentum with the property stuff. Mm-hmm. So I was doing sort of freelance photography and building up more properties at the same time. Uh, doing a bit of buying and selling, the flipping strategy. Yeah. Um, and I really got a kind of, developed a kind of love for it, a passion for it, if you like. And the photography, the freelance photography was a hard game. So many guys at it, mm. everybody's under cutting each other. So uh-huh. I thought, look, I'm looking for a way out here. I'm going to try and concentrate more of my time on the property side of things. And I thought, well, what can I do? How can I create a job for myself in the property? So buying and selling the odd property was fine. Uh-huh. Obviously, you get a lump sum, that's great. But I wanted a kind of sustainable business, yep. and a regular income. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I looked at it and I thought, you know what? I'm actually managing all these properties already. I mean, when I say all these properties, it was about eight. Yeah, of your own portfolio. portfolio. Yep. Myself and my mum bought some as well. So there's about eight properties. I actually quite enjoyed dealing the tenants, I know that's everybody says they hate dealing with the tenants. Yeah, yeah. I actually quite enjoyed the process of meeting people, showing them around the property, finding out about their backstory. Okay. Organizing all the maintenance and repairs. I actually quite enjoyed it. So I thought, you know what? I'm going to be a letting agent. Okay. So I started up Art Property. And, and when you started our property, you would have known of all the legislative changes that were coming in and you had to sit your exams, etc. And that didn't put you off at all. Absolutely, because this is obviously this was like 2017 or something like that. So they just introduced like the letting agent code of practice. Yep. Um, all letting agents now have to be approved and registered with the Scottish government. Mm-hmm. Uh, all that was just coming in and I thought you know what this actually might be a good time to come in as a kind of fresh face in the marketplace 
Um, You've got no baggage to take with you because yeah. I guess there will be a lot of letting agents out there who'll be thinking, oh, Christ, more red tape, not more red tape, and maybe just thinking, you know what, I've had enough. Whereas if you're coming in and you don't know any better, you're thinking, well, red tape, listen, red tape's everywhere. Just get on with it. It's just the way it is. And it was really interesting. When I did my qualifications, my exams, if you want, it was a six-month course, and we went in every month to you know a hotel in Glasgow, and they do a seminar for Uh the day, as part of the training, yep. you do that six times over the space of six months, and I was meeting the old school big boy, you know, letting yeah, agents, yeah, yeah. and they were all complaining and were they were going about this is a load of rubbish. This, what are we doing here? You're yeah, right. They were just not oh, happy they just, with it. They just thought this. Why are we having to do this? You know, train yeah. to do all this stuff. Uh-huh. Like, we've been doing this job for 20, 30 years. Yeah, maybe not very well though. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> now without naming any names, but yeah. So this is really an eye-opener to me. And I thought, you know what? There's got to be a better way of doing this because I just don't think people are getting the service. Like, well, a lot of landlords are just not getting mm-hmm, mm-hmm. transparency. When I was dealing with tenants for my own properties, a lot of the kind of feedback would be that tenants would be trying to apply for properties and they just find the whole process just horrible. Yeah. And I just thought, I just want to provide a better experience for people, mm-hmm. and, you know, across... Tenants and landlords, both of them, because you're the guy in the middle, you're trying to provide a service on both fronts, uh-huh. and I think a lot of time tenants just get kind of left to the side as well, and for me, they've got to be up there as being the paying customers as well. Absolutely, absolutely. So, how did you go about, you've got your eight properties, so you then start to manage those yourself, how do you go about building your company so don't get me wrong it's been a hard, hard struggle mm-hmm. of two years so let's start with eight properties I'm now managing just over 60 okay so it's, it's been a steady progression uh, not explosive yeah. growth but uh, I made the decision that it was just going to be me for the time being mm-hmm. so I don't have any overheads in terms of staff offices that sort of thing yeah I positioned myself where I was offering more of a, a kind of uh, service to investor landlords as opposed to kind of accidental landlords if you know okay. what I mean so people who are wanting to grow their portfolios because I believe that with my own experience I had knowledge of the areas in Glasgow which made good buy to lets yeah so were you positioning yourself in a way where you were actually getting the investor finding the property for them and then once that was done, you were saying, well, by the way, I can also manage the property as well. Is exactly. that how... Exactly. That was, that was, that was the kind of like the package, if you like, that I was okay. offering people. And I think that's what attracted me uh, to my first few clients, if you like, was that kind of like stress-free, no hassle. Nick will literally do everything from start to finish. And you, you were telling me that LinkedIn has been a great source of business for you yeah so as well as kind of like obviously I, I got a few kind of word of mouth referrals and mm-hmm. stuff you know from friends and family and that but to be honest with you the, the, the main kind of like building uh, the, the main source of business for me has come from social media and I would say in particular LinkedIn uh, one of my biggest clients uh, who I now manage about 12 properties for came straight from a YouTube video she saw me on YouTube. 
We'll get to the YouTube. Uh, sorry, we'll get right. to the YouTube. But no, go on. No, 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 we'll get to that. Uh, so you want to talk about, yeah, LinkedIn. LinkedIn's been uh, really great for me. I mean, don't get me wrong, you get a lot of kind of, you get a lot of time wasters on LinkedIn. Tire kickers. People, people that are possibly seeing a lot of the kind of, you know, these courses, you know, invest in property, blah, 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 this sort uh-huh. of thing, you know, get uh-huh. rich quick sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. You know, they want to meet up with you for coffees and that, which is fine, but you can usually suss people out pretty early on. Do you think just on, on the investing side of things and, and the property educational courses, um, do you think that that market is, is, there's too many people now coming out and the whole thing is being saturated? I think like, like education, right, is a great thing. Okay, mm. This is what you, you hear all these people that run courses, you know, got to educate yourself. Yeah. And I agree, you've got to educate yourself. But I don't believe that that might be the best use of £12,000, for example. Mm-hmm. I think by all means going like, you know, a course if it's like maybe a couple of grand or whatever, if you think that's going to give you the momentum to get going, to kind of launch yourself in there and uh-huh. take the action, yeah. then I believe that's kind of money well spent. I see, I've never been in any of the courses myself, right, so I can't comment, mm-hmm. but I see quite a lot of people spending like as much as £20,000 on like, you know, a year's mentorship. Yeah. They get through it and they're kind of like still no further forward and you think well is that maybe that's down to them as an individual mm-hmm. but i just think well for 20 grand you could have bought your first property yeah do you see what i would have done i would have maybe gone to a day course or something like that yeah. and then what i would have done was i would have gone to these property meetup groups okay and i would have gone along to those and i would start to speak to various people find out who the ones that were actually in the game doing deals and then I would sidle up to them and I would become their pals Mm -hmm. because listen I love talking property anybody who's in property loves to talk about their story Mm -hmm. so there's and they wouldn't ask for any money for that Um, they, they would give their time freely because you would want to see somebody because if you were talking to somebody who was maybe 10 15 years ahead of where you were they would almost take you under their wing mm-hmm. and they would be keen to make sure that you were the next them yeah. so to speak well, that's what's happened to some of my, my clients so some of them have come in not owning any property Mm-hmm. And you know now they've got like maybe three, four properties because yeah. I've helped them along the process. Uh-huh. And you know I'm not charged for any of that. No, they've just kind of like sort of gained the knowledge from me, saying, "Well, this is this is how you do it." You know, you put you in touch with this guy or this mortgage broker like yourself mm-hmm. or whatever. And but what they have become is they have become a client of yours and will always be a client of yours because you have gone the extra yard. Yeah. And you have, you have started that relationship on the basis that you're wanting to help them. Yeah. I think where most people fall out of the trap is they want it now. Like they want everything now. So they think that going on this course will fast track them to this kind of like instant kind of wealth, if you like. It's important. I, I can't. Yeah, I understand that entirely. So, I understand that entirely. But it's just that's the totally wrong mindset. Totally 100% agree, 100% agree, especially with property, we know it's like a long 
it's a long game unless you know okay you can do like you know can buy and sell a property within six months but even that you know that bubble's going to burst eventually as well and it's a huge decision to jack in your job and then decide you know what i'm going to go and invest in property full time um you know without having that mm. income coming in on a regular basis you know that will come undoubtedly once you've got seven eight nine properties um, and you're renting them out and you're doing a couple of flips in the background then that yeah. regular income will come um, you've really got me going now john <laughs> like i know it's, it's it's one that we could probably talk about all day but just another point i want to make about it i get a lot of uh, young people so like 18, 19, 20 year olds on Instagram. So wet, wet behind the ears. Yeah. Not had, just almost out of school. Pretty much. Don't know what to do. Yeah. And somebody said, property. Yeah. And, and, you know, I get a lot of people off Instagram and you got messages coming in all the time. Really like what you do or, you know, how do I get involved in property? You know, I've got no money, but I want to really do property investing. Mm. And it's like, where I think it's such a shame is some of these people are kind of been sold this kind of idea that they can pretty much come out of school, go and get these investors who will basically fund them these property deals uh-huh. and they don't have to put anything in. It's just not going to happen, is it? Come I mean, the, the theory is there. I can understand that. But are you, as somebody who has got a mountain of money, mm. right, six-figure sum of money, are you honestly going to give it to some scrawny 18-year-old who's just out of school with absolutely no background and that's the chicken and egg yeah it can be done can be done you know yeah. um but you've got to have a little bit of um skin in the game you have i think um yeah, and how do you get that skin in the game it's it's difficult and i think that's what everybody who's in this game knows how hard it is yeah there, there ain't any get rich quick schemes no, out exactly, there exactly exactly um, and if you want to stay in the game and make it successful, it's a hard slog. It is a hard slog. You know, whether it's mortgages, whether it's flipping property, whether it's renting property, Airbnb, um, it's a hard slog. And you've really got to enjoy doing it. And that's why I say that any, if anybody who's been in the game 10 years... They would love to talk about property. That's why this podcast is there because I've got the likes of you, um, and you know, letting agents, mortgage brokers, solicitors, anybody who's a property. They love talking about property. Absolutely. So let's talk about your YouTube videos because I remember <laughs> you you weren't doing any of that YouTube stuff when we met last time. Um, and I think you yourself will see that you have improved dramatically since your your first go at yeah. doing the the YouTube. Um, so talk us, take us through that journey. Uh, I find it quite funny because like I was probably like maybe one of the first people doing sort of videos and you know these selfie videos that you uh-huh, see a lot of uh-huh. people get annoyed with them on LinkedIn and all that. Um, so it's quite funny because I now see that some of the kind of like old school, you know, big boy letting agent players have started doing the same. Yes. So yes. they obviously realise the value in it. So anyway, quite, quite quickly early on, I kind of adapted the philosophy like, what have I got to lose here? I don't really care what people think of mm. me. So you've certainly got to have a hard skin. There's no doubt about that. 
Um, you know that people are going to be talking to you. Yeah, which is well, that's that's good. Exactly. You know? So like, I, I'm I come from a press background. You know, well, so you know like, the game as far as that's concerned. Yeah. So like, any publicity is good publicity. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? So I always uh, held that. I, I used to deal with a lot of PR people in that as well. Yeah. So yeah, um, the videos have been hugely good for me because I think the thing about video, which really makes a difference, is people can um, get that really build up a personal connection, even though they've not actually met you. Oh, for sure. It's so so strong, and. Certainly, we. The, one of the reasons why I've not been doing the podcast is that I've got another podcast called Out the Shoe, which is all about cricket. Um, and we do a Facebook Live, and the amount of people—it's just a more. For me, it's a better experience. You know, you can see people's expressions. You can see, especially what we did with without the shoe, was that there was two of us doing it, so mm. you can see the interaction. Um, and I always think that if you can visualise that and actually see it, then you're going to have a much better experience. Yeah, and that's well, what you found. I, absolutely. And like, I've got a funny story about like I was sitting in Costa Coffee, it must have been like six months ago, just by my own business doing a bit of work. Uh-huh. And uh, this guy was kind of looking over at me, like he kept on Are looking, you Nick Bundy? Yeah, he kept on looking at me and he, like, eventually he got up and came over oh, the table and says, did he? Excuse me, are you Nick Ponte? You're the guy that does all the videos on LinkedIn. I'm like, yeah, how you doing? Nice to meet you. We sat down, we had a conversation. He's like, actually, I was thinking about investing in property. There you go. It'd be good to get a chat sometimes. So it didn't, you know, nothing progressed from it, but just shows you. That's wonderful. And the strangest thing is that I don't know, I've not watched many of the, of the videos, yeah. but if he's watched all of the videos, he will know so much more about you than you, you won't know anything about him. So it cuts um, out it's a quite lot a strange conversation to have with somebody who knows more about you than you, than yeah, you know absolutely it, it, nothing it, it about is them. Weird. It is quite strange, but do you know what? It's, uh, it's all part of brand building, building uh-huh. your brand. So do you try and, how often do you try and get the videos out? It's really, it's hard because obviously I'm the only one in the business, so I'm doing absolutely everything. Yes. Obviously, my main priority is providing good service to my landlords oh. and tenants. Oh, first so that, and foremost. that comes first and foremost. That is the work that's got to be done, regardless. Mm-hmm. I try and do, you know, at least once a week. I'll try and do like a YouTube video, and it'll be something educational. You know, it could be, um, you know, best areas to invest in Glasgow for buy to let. Right. It could be like... And what's, the, what's your YouTube channel? It's just Nick Ponte. Nick right. Ponte, Art Property. Okay. Uh, you can find me on YouTube or LinkedIn, yeah. Uh, but I think uh, the secret to it is, well, like you're doing here with the podcast, Jonathan, you're trying to provide some value to people. You know, you're not going in and selling, sell, sell, sell. It's you're trying to provide a bit of like educational uh-huh. or a bit of content. Yeah. And somebody can take something away from it. Yeah. And that's the kind of idea behind it, isn't it? Uh-huh. For me, there were so many other reasons for doing this other than potentially I might get some work out of it. You know, it it improves your ability to ask questions, it improves your ability to public speak, it improves your ability to be able to converse with people and that's what I do on a day-to-day basis. I have to get information from clients as quickly as possible and the more I can practice that, then the better I'll become at that. 
And hey-ho, if, if somebody phones me up and wants a mortgage because they've listened to the podcast or they want some advice, mm-hmm. delighted, mm-hmm. delighted. And the other thing is that it brings other spin-offs. So um, the boys at, at PPN have asked me to do a couple of, of talks there, um, and that's been great. Uh, because again, you're getting spin-off there. Again, you're able to to pump the uh, the podcast, um, and it's just doing something like this gives you so many more opportunities. And I guess that's one of the most important things is that if you're doing marketing, you want to find out what those results are. And the results for me in doing this have been fantastic. I really, you know, if, if anybody else is interested in going down the route of social media, whether it be a podcast, you know, Facebook Live or, or mm. YouTube videos, are just great. Wholehearted, you know, tip my hat to them and, and get started. Yeah. But the one thing that you've got to make sure and do is you've got to do it on a regular basis. Yeah. Because as soon as you um, go off that consistency, then you'll start losing uh, losing people in, in droves. So yeah. um, here's me preaching from the pulpit and, and I haven't done a, <laughs> one of these for a year. But the idea is that I'm going to try and get one out every fortnight, maybe one a, one a week. Certainly I want to try and get an interview yeah. um, because I enjoy doing it. Yeah, It's, it's really good fun. Absolutely. Um, so when we spoke last, I don't think the PRT was out. So what is your feedback on the PRT? Are you finding that there is far more tenants who are now prepared just to bugger off after 28 days? Are you finding there's more of a turnover? Personally, I've not noticed a huge difference, but um, I don't have like loads and loads of student lets. I have heard people who deal a lot in the student market that that obviously has been affected because previously you would sign them up for say twelve months. So you would only ever get your nine month tenancy. Yeah. Yeah. So so exactly. So 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 now they kind of like as people are getting more aware of it, then t- you know. Student tenants maybe just say, "Well, I don't need to take out twelve months." Anyway. Mm. Well, they can't take out twelve months anyway. But do you think? Like... And and unfortunately, generally, what happens is that if there's any tax changes, if mm. there's any additional costs, it's not the landlord that's going to pick those up. Yes, initially they'll pick that up, but what will happen is the rents will end up going up. Uh, yeah, I think for all all the legislation like that, eventually, well, I mean, rents have gone up. But mm-hmm. I don't know how much it's got to do with the tax changes. Um, obviously, it's to do with supply and demand as well. Yeah. Um, I mean, rents in Glasgow, especially, have, you know, city centre. I'm talking about West End rents are just going crazy at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, part of that, I think, is probably down to Airbnb. Uh, I mean, it's a four-figure sum for a decent two-bedder in the West End. I mean, you're, you're talking, you know, thousand pounds plus. Yeah. I mean, it's just. Just rented, I just rented out a two-bedroom um, in Downhill for uh, £1,300 a month. Yeah, it's like nice flat, but like, you know, nothing like outrageous. Uh-huh, you know? uh-huh. Um, and it's, it's a si- lot of money to be paying on a monthly <laughs> well, you basis. Think you deal with mortgages, you know. Yeah. What, what can you get, you know, for a £1,300 a month mortgage? Oh, you're talking about <laughs> half a mil. It depends. It depends how much you're putting well, it down, of course. Loan to value, but but I don't think I can't remember. I tell you what, if if people were coming in here and we were organising mortgages, uh, uh, the 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 monthly premium, the monthly payment would be thirteen hundred pounds, 
I wouldn't have to work as hard as I bloody have to. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, generally, we write sort of five, six hundred pounds yeah. um, for your monthly. I mean, you, you couldn't get a one-bedroom flat. And by the way, there's plenty of people looking, you know. It's not yeah. like that, that flat was on the market, like, rented at the first viewing. Wow. Um, you know, I don't have that many high-end properties like that, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. it was a real eye-opener. I don't know. Yeah. Because there's a huge demand there. I think part of it is, like, um, the actual tenant who moved in uh, was a contractor. Uh, came here for a couple of years from Australia, actually. Yeah. So I think with Glasgow, the way that it has progressed in mm-hmm. terms of, like, you know, uh, you see Barclays are building yes the over the other side of the Clyde big headquarters um, so things like that you know there's there's definitely a demand for the high kind of level mm-hmm. properties from people that, that are, are basically on well the Clydesdale Bank are, are building their new headquarters you've got Morgan Stanley there you've got yeah. Barclays in there so there's a lot of people who are potentially on short term fixed contracts that yeah. aren't really wanting to buy plus the actual entry level is very very high yeah. to get in I mean I, th- I think I don't think that the salaries have kept pace with the price of property and people just aren't saving That's so smart. to try and get a 10-15% deposit then you're looking at a market where potentially you're having to buy into a market where the chances of getting something in a good location at home report value mm. is just non I mean, it's almost impossible. Yeah. You know, you're talking five, I mean, we've had, you know, 10% over home report value. Yeah. And that's, you've got to find that yourself. Yeah. You know, you can't mortgage anything over and above the home report value. So entry level is, is very, very difficult. And as, as long as that remains, then I think there'll always be a strong rental market. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're looking at four universities, three hospitals, so there's a lot of movable staff, yeah. a lot. And going back to your original question then about PRT and how mm-hmm. that's changed things, it definitely obviously has increased the turnover, but if I look at my, my managed portfolio myself, yeah. you know, I mean, previously you'd sign people up for six or 12 months on the old short shield tents. Mm-hmm. The chances of somebody moving before six months is pretty slim very rare in the last sort of year have I had one I think I've had one out of 60 yeah, that's yeah. kind of probably moved after about four months I've been speaking to Chris Coburn I don't know we've, we've had Chris on the show Chris is part of the, the BNI group that I'm with and, and he runs um, Let It yeah. um, or as part of Let It and he mm. was saying that if you go down the route of non-furnished and mm-hmm. the tenant has to bring in the furniture there's probably less of a likelihood of them wanting to walk after a short period of time because yeah. they've got the huge hassle of, Christ, I'm going to have to move all my furniture out. I can only now go into something that's unfurnished. Yeah. So he was of the mind that a lot of tenants now, or a lot of landlords rather, were looking at, at almost renting mm. where you were, you were unfurnished. Well, that's interesting. <laughs> One of my tenants there who did kind of leave after a bit four months they were uh, renting an unfurnished property actually all right okay uh, but what they what they done is they bought a they bought a brand new house that they were waiting to move into right so they were actually okay. they were just buying their furniture up and just obviously using the flat to to live in until their house was built by the builder but mm-hmm. they didn't actually tell me that so 
So yeah, I mean, I can see how that would put people off. Obviously, just the, the sort of stopgap tenants who mm-hmm. are just looking for a quick kind of couple of months to kind of bridge the gap between whatever the next transition is. I yeah. can't see how renting unfurnished would would kind of uh, would kind of walk that way. Uh-huh. Let me ask you about Airbnb because it, it has been the hot topic, and I guess will continue to be the hot topic um, as far as a lot of landlords. Uh, are concerned. Do you do any of the Airbnb yourself? Have you dabbled in Airbnb? Yeah, yeah. I'll be quite honest with you. I've still got two, uh, two properties that that I well, one that I own, one that my mom owns. Uh-huh. Uh, that we do Airbnb and uh, short term rentals. And who do you manage all that stuff yourself? Do you yeah. give it to Booking dot com or do you give it to Signature or whoever's out there doing that kind yeah, of thing? Yeah, I use a like software. Uh, program to manage all the bookings myself right. it's called Toki I, I manage it myself because I've got a good cleaner that comes in and does yeah. all the change okay. and does all the laundry and all the rest so not that big a bully it's quite straightforward I've got a good system now I've been doing uh-huh. it for about three four years okay um, I did have four properties at one time um, and I've reduced it down to two partly because of oversaturation prices come down and one of my properties. So are you finding that then that your day rate is now yeah, being absolutely. dropped? Absolutely, yeah, to be quite honest with you, this could be my last year of doing it because okay. it's got to the point where the winters, especially January, February, especially pretty much your struggle to get the occupancy um, and that really affects, you know, you make all your money in the summer, mm-hmm. you get into winter and that's where all your profits are kind of eaten up because yeah. you still get the costs. You still got the mortgages, rents, utility bills, council tax, uh-huh. all of that. Uh, you know, you so you and you're not getting the bookings in. And the people that are going after your Airbnbs are those that are here for a concert or a short break or something yeah. like that. Yeah, conferences, uh, concerts, people that are coming for leisure weekends, shopping. Yeah, yeah. Um, unfortunately, last weekend I did have some party people in oh. which happens about twice a year for me right um, and anybody renting the room by the hour yeah yeah we had a f- <laughs> <laughs> I had I had one of them uh, I got a, I got a fun, was it so uh, obvious this is a funny story that listeners will might laugh at so it's not so this is one of the reasons I'm pretty much going to give it up this year is that I have had a number of complaints from neighbours right and right I do kind of sympathise with them uh-huh. because occasionally I do like quite a lot of checks obviously I take deposit whatever but yeah. occasionally one will slip through uh-huh. and you will get somebody who does decide to have a party or does decide to use it as a brothel basically uh-huh. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I had, um, I had um, a couple of Romanians I think they were uh, take it for a couple of nights and I got a, a phone call I was out having dinner in the city centre of Glasgow I got a phone call about 7 o'clock at night on a Friday night and it was the next door neighbour of the property. And she said, uh, Nick, um, I've just had a guy at the door here. And he said he, he, was, he was booked in for a six o'clock massage. And what's going on here? And I was like, oh, I'm really, really sorry. I mean, it's oh, funny looking back on oh, it. Can you imagine? Oh, somebody, imagine you're the neighbour. Can well, you imagine that? somebody coming to your door? I mean, it's not pleasant. No, uh, because so, the type of person who wants a six o'clock massage is maybe not you or I, exactly, upstanding members of the community. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so like, you know, I went straight oh. around there. Already the police had got there. 
she'd called. Oh, she called the police. Called right. The police okay. As well, um, you know, obviously they'd they'd got there before me. I went in, and the police were. And How the, were they? Because they, they're they, listen. They're already thinking that you're the pimp and 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 you're taking the money and you're doing this as a business venture. So you're already on the back foot, I would yeah. guess. Oh, exactly. So I had to obviously, um, you know, take the. the <laughs> I had to obviously uh, do like an interview with with the, with the cop, and he yeah. went through all the stuff and uh-huh. all that, and you know, ends up I said, look, I need to get these people out, mm-hmm. and he says, well, we'll take a step back, and you basically get them out it's your property yeah so they allowed me to basically evict them uh-huh there and then basically like look you can't stay here and do this it's uh-huh. just not so you need to remove yourself it's, it's not acceptable and your paraphernalia yeah so i got them out and there was yeah bits and pieces lying about that i won't get too much detail <laughs> well that was a story that i got from 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 uh, my client and and that's what he said he had gone round um, and he knew obviously what was happening by the bits of, of, of paraphernalia that had been left secreted under beds. This is going to be the front page of the Sun now. Glasgow letting agent admits to running Gotham. Well, I, t- I tell you, it's. Clearly, you knew absolutely nothing about absolutely it. Absolutely not. Um, as far as I was concerned, it. But there must be, I mean, that must go on. Yeah. I mean, there must be so much of that. One of the reasons why I'm stopping is because it is such a great area now. And, you know, Glasgow City Council have got involved because there has been that many neighbour complaints. Mm -hmm. And basically, they are saying that it's not permitted unless you've got planning permission in a shared block of flats. And the chances of you getting planning permission to do. Well, they're not going to give that, are they? They're not going to. No. No. But, you know, you look on Airbnb. And there's still hundreds and hundreds of properties. That are but how are they going to legislate that? I mean, there will be a, a whole raft of people who will just be dodging the bullet until you know they get the knock on, they get the knock on the door. Yeah, um, I mean, obviously they've got a process where they send out a letter and they threaten you with a fine uh-huh. and to say stop doing it. But this is only on the basis that one of your neighbours has, has done that. You know, yeah. obviously taking a grievance uh-huh. um, and you know. In some uh, in some developments in Glasgow, numerous neighbours have got together to. But listen, nobody buys a a flat on the basis that they've bought a flat next to a B and B. I mean, mm. and probably paid if it's in the West End, paid, you know, a shed load of money over the home report va- value yeah. for somebody to you know use their their property next door property as a B and B. I mean. I, I'd be on the phone to the council just Absolutely. to say that. I understand it, and that's why I have sympathy, and that's why probably most of my, uh, yeah, the two that I've got probably be going back to yeah. long-term lives after this year. I'm okay. sorry, I'm just going to try and switch this off. It's a new phone, and I don't know how to work it off. Sorry about that. No problem, no problem. Um, and then I heard, interestingly, about... The Labour Party potentially allowing a right to buy for tenants yeah. oh. in the private sector, and I thought, Phew. yeah, I did a video on this actually, and it was one of the <laughs> it was one of the videos that I got the most amount of comments on, right? Uh, just because of obviously what's going on at the moment and the potential for a general election coming mm-hmm. up, mm-hmm. and you know the policies, some of the policies that kind of Labour are 
you know, putting out there. Yeah. And I think it was, I don't know a huge amount about it, and I think it was just a kind of idea that we're floating, but apparently Jeremy Corbyn mentioned this back in 2015-16. Yeah. So, you know, it's not just the, the guy who, who brought it up lately as the Shadow Chancellor, like okay. John McConnell or something. Yeah, yeah. Uh, apparently Jeremy Corbyn said something about this, so it's always kind of been in there. Mm-hmm manifesto policies yeah, or yeah, whatever yeah. you like but it's very really scary when I kind of read the headlines even when I looked into it in a bit more detail I mean I thought surely they can't force somebody to sell their property to a tenant but <laughs> it, was, it was pretty sketchy mm. um, you know clearly it would have to be at market value but then market value isn't necessarily especially if you buy something in the West End or some other part in, in Glasgow um, nobody pays market value on a closing date because the market value is the home report value. So, yeah. and then how long would the tenants have to be in there? You know, I could see if the tenants are in there five years, then I could understand. Well, you know, the landlords made their pound, got their pound of flesh. Um, but if it's six months, yeah. then I'm thinking, that's that's a nightmare. But that's a scary thing, right? They were suggesting that the, the tenant could buy a discount. Off the market value, up to thirty, up to thirty percent of a discount. Right. So who's well, we're like, know, who's going to subsidise? You know, obviously they would need. Uh, I'm presuming that the government would then need to kind of subsidise it because how can the landlord be out of pocket? Uh-huh. I mean, it's just frightening, honestly. That's uh, mind boggling. I, I don't, don't think. I, I just don't think it'll happen. I think the way that Labour's gone, they've actually lost a lot of their own. Without getting too political, they've actually lost a lot of their own supporters. Just for the way how far left they've gone mm, mm. with some of the policies, uh, but I just I just don't think it's feasible anyway. But quite frightening that mm. somebody that power potentially could come out of that. Yeah, yeah. Um, the last time we spoke, limited company by Tillets were a, a thing that maybe only a specialist landlords were looking at and, and now it's very much because of the changes in the tax regime and various other things it's now become the thing to talk about as far as I mean we get a lot of clients coming in and they seem to be hell-bent on a limited company you know put everything in the limited company mm-hmm. you can then save um, interested to take your Get your take on, on that, and then yeah, I'll give you mine. I, I sort of sat down quite early on, and I was lucky because I hadn't, um, I hadn't fully immersed myself in building the portfolio when they announced these changes. So I like, mm-hmm. only had about four what, four properties or something like that. Yeah. Um, so like I sat down quite early on and thought, where do I want to take this? Where's my goal? Uh, I sat down with my accountant, and we decided that yeah, um, eventually, hopefully, I was going to be in the higher rate tax mm-hmm. bracket. Mm-hmm. And I think, as a general rule of thumb, if you're in that higher rate tax bracket and you have a property portfolio, then it is really going to have an effect on you. Mm-hmm. As a general rule of thumb, obviously, you need to seek your own, you know, tax advice. Yeah. Uh, but that's where I kind of made made the decision. Right, I was going to open up a limited company and do it that way, but. You've still got to, I mean, you're the mortgage advisor, Jonathan. You've still got to have a personal guarantee, don't you? So yeah, like, there's, there's no get-it-a-jail-free card. <laughs> I mean, they're, they're wanting a personal guarantee. Um, I think TMW, the mortgage works, won't ask you for a, a personal guarantee, mm-hmm. but everybody else does. Um, I guess the chances of them... 
I think the personal guarantee has probably come about on the basis that um, they've still remember 2008. Yeah. But, you know... <laughs> The way that the lending now is, where you've got to have a 25%, 20% deposit, um, I just can't see too many PGs being relied upon because there'll be enough, there should be enough equity in there that if somebody stops paying the mortgage, then the bank will whip mm -hmm. the rug from beneath them and repossess the property before they even start thinking about yeah. PGs and having to, to deal with those for me clients come to us and you know the hell bent on limited companies I have to say I say to them listen you need to go and speak to your accountant yeah. because it's not for everybody you need to know what your end goal is exactly. anybody who comes to me to invest in property I say listen what's your, what are you wanting yeah. this for is this a replacement of income is this a passive income mm -hmm. are you wanting to just stop doing what you're doing and going into property full-time. Unless you have an end goal, it is very difficult to advise anybody, um, on certainly on the mortgage side of things. Yeah. Um, so that's, I certainly say to them, listen, what's your end goal? And then go and speak to your accountant. Because unless you're in it long-term, and unless you are understanding of the the costs because generally speaking a limited company buy to let will be twice as expensive double the the cost mm. of a, um, a personal buy to let so you have to then work out yeah. what market are you going to be in are you going to be um, high end in yeah. which case you're going to be paying more interest in which case you're thinking well maybe limited company works or are you going to be feeding at the bottom of the trough where you're actually not, you're buying a lot of property, but the interest that you're paying is not so substantial. So there's so many things that you need to think about. And one accountant has said to me that they reckon that the, the, the break point is about seven or eight. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That if you if yeah. you don't have seven or eight, you'd be thinking, listen, you know what? Yeah. You might be wanting to think about just keeping it in, in uh, personal but again it depends, it depends what your end goal is going it to depends be depends if you've got other income coming in if you've got if you've got a high paying job salary and you, you know you've got a portfolio of property as well then that obviously well, has an effect well you're immediately then yeah. going into your your higher rate uh, tax and so you know you'd be thinking well maybe it's probably better for you but then you've got your accountancy fees you've yeah. got the hassle of you're now a director, yeah. you've got various other responsibilities Double associated tax with as well, well because you've got to pay corporation tax on your profits that the company makes. That's right. And then you've got to pay your income tax. If you want to take money out of that company... It's more difficult. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So, like, before you'd only be paying income tax on your uh, profit of your, your residential portfolio under your own name. Uh -huh. You'd be doing your tax return uh -huh. each year. Yeah. And you'd be putting your property income on the sides with the company way, then you need to pay, is it 19% corporation tax, straight off? And then after that, if you want to extract any of that profit mm -hmm. from your company into your own name, it's again. Yeah, the, the accountants are so, I mean, the amount of work that I've passed to uh, accountants, um, you know, 
one in every three yeah. maybe hasn't thought about it. I'm thinking, listen, you need to go and speak to an accountant. It's so, so important. Mm. And then the changes in the, the CGT, where now what I think they're saying is that um, you, you're you going to have to account for your CGT yeah. um, within a, 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 a smaller window. I think they're saying, yeah. is, it, is it 30 days or so? So you can't keep that profit yeah. for the tax year. Um, I mean, and saying about getting an accountant, but even trying to get an accountant that knows what to do is quite difficult. Yeah. <laughs> because it's quite a new thing, obviously. So you need to be specialised. And I think I completely agree with that, that not every accountant is going to know yeah. exactly the ins and outs. And the whole point about going to an accountant is that you want somebody who knows their onions yeah. and they know what they're talking about and they've got a speciality yeah. in dealing with with property absolutely and there's they're like hen's teeth there's definitely a kind of a gap for the a gap in the market there for any accountants that are listening if you can position yourself as a specialist in property investing you know i only really know one guy who appears all the time on the forums really who yeah who gets his name banded about all uh-huh. the time that uh-huh. really kind of yeah. seems to mop up yeah no, for sure, for sure. Um, so listen, we've been going just the, the guts of 45 minutes, so um, we'll maybe start thinking about beginning to wrap it up. So what does the future hold for you then? To, let's talk ARC first of all. Where, where can you see that going? Do you know what? It changes every day. Like I wake up and some days I wake up, I think, do you know what? I'm going to grow this lettings agency to 500 plus properties and yep. I'm going to take on the big boys. And then other days I kind of wake up and think, do you know what, I've, I'm quite, I've got a manageable portfolio, I don't have any overheads, I can provide a good quality service and I'm quite happy, I'm not like minted, I'm not making loads of money but I've got enough to live. Part of the, the goal of working for myself and building up a business was to kind of be in charge, mm-hmm. not have a boss that was telling you what to do. Yeah. And if I need to take a day off for my kids to go and see a school concert, I can. Uh-huh. And I've, I've reached that goal. Like, financially, yeah. obviously, it would be nice to have, you know, nicer holidays, go on holiday more often, whatever. I would like, eventually, to um, do kind of larger-scale developments. Yeah. So, aside from the letting agency, part of my... Well, part of my goal with the letting agency was to build up relationships with investors. So build up trust in people. I'll manage your buy-to-let uh, properties mm-hmm. and I'll do a good job of that. Yep. You'll build up trust in me and then if there's opportunities of development and you know something a bit chunkier where you can get in and transform something, mm-hmm. then maybe you know they'll, they'll be interested in getting involved in that. Yeah, so. Yep. I can see myself doing that because I do miss the kind of creative side of property. Like, I mm-hmm. do miss the buying something and doing it up because I did a bit of that and I really loved it. Yeah. Whereas Lettings is very much kind of like at a lot of admin processes, you know, very kind of, it's, it's, it can be quite boring. Mm-hmm. Whereas, like, as a photographer, I am a creative. Yeah, right, for sure. So, like, I, I would, like, Envision myself getting into some more development in the future, possibly. Okay. Good. Good, good, good. That's that's easier said than done. (laughs) Well, listen, I've got five questions. They're very much either or, right? And I don't want you to think about Um, them and we'll just fire away, okay? They're a bit political. Leave leave remain. Leave or remain. (laughs) I actually voted leave, but now, after all this shenanigans that's gone on, I'm probably reconsidering. There would be a few of you like that. Boris or Burko? 
<laughs> Boris. I like Boris. I just thought, I think he's alright. PRT or Airbnb? Uh, PRT for sure. Uh, Prulith or Mary Berry? Not a clue what you're talking about. Oh, come on. Not a clue. Bake Off. What? <laughs> not a clue. You've not heard of Bake Off? I know what Bake Off is, but I haven't watched it. Right, so Prue Leith, oh, there's no point then. So no. Prue Leith is the one who's now doing it with Channel 4. Oh, okay, presenter. And, and then, presenter. Uh, yeah, Mary Which Berry. one's better looking? <laughs> They're both about 60. All right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Greg's or pret Greg's. Sausage roll, man. Sausage roll. When was the last time you and Greg's? I'll probably go there today after this. <laughs> Yeah, no, I like a good Greg's. Good, good, good. Listen, Nick Ponty, um, once again, fantastic. Best of luck with your, your art. Thanks for having good me, Jonathan. Man. Thank you very much. Okay, so that's one in the can. That's the first one back on the reboot. You know what? I had forgotten how much I had enjoyed doing the podcast. It was a real thrill to have a chat with with Nick. We've got some new recording equipment. Hopefully that um, comes across. I think we'll probably still have to do a little bit more on the the editing side of things. It's a bit sort of echoey, but you know, over time we'll get that sorted out. But listen, it's great to be back. I really like doing the face-to-face interviews. To me, doing the Skype thing, I just don't think you get the 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 experience. Um, and I think for me, if I can get the experience, then certainly I can then make sure that you guys listening to that get a similar experience that I've had on a face-to-face. I'm trying to limit the, the recordings to 45 minutes. I think that's probably just about the right amount of time before you all start snoozing. And listen, if you've got a story, if you want to tell your story, if you want to come on to the podcast... Just get in touch with me. I've got a new email, so it's Jonathan at bricks and mortar mortgages.co.uk. So you can email me on that, Jonathan at bricks and mortar mortgages.co.uk. You can DM me on LinkedIn. Um, I've got thousands of followers on LinkedIn. That's probably the easiest place to get me if you're not going to email me or send me something on Messenger on Facebook. Just give me a private message on on Facebook. Delighted to get you on. I tell you, next week we've got a a guy by the name of Martin Callahan and his brother. They are property sourcers. They run a company called Parkgate Investments. I'm going to have a chat with them. The pair of them are coming into the office next Wednesday, so we'll stick the recorder on and we'll have a good chin wag, grab a cup of coffee and see what the boys have got to say. Till then, all I'd say to you is remember to send the lift back down. You've been listening to the Bricks and Mortar podcast, a sideways look at property. We'll catch you next week.